0: It is a real pleasure to be back with you today. I love the fact that it's the Sunday before Christmas and I get to enjoy the music of this congregation. You guys sing really well. It's really good. I'm going to steal the the, the musicians and take them back to our church with me if you don't mind. Uh, But I do bring you greetings from University Presbyterian Church in Orlando. That's where I serve And they're in the same presbytery with you, and so uh, your brothers and sisters in Orlando think of you this morning, and uh, it's just a pleasure to begin to get to know you guys better. Maybe you've heard this song. It's been played a lot in recent days. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. You've got to be kidding me. (laughs) Really? Tell that to a woman I know named Peggy. Her husband Jonathan just had brain surgery last week. He'd uh, He'd been suffering from dizziness and headaches, and it seems that when he was five years old, he had leukemia and was given radiation treatments for it. But apparently the radiation caused tumors called meningiomas. Eleven years ago, a surgeon removed one of these tumors that had been wrapped around his spinal cord. But this one, it's in his brain and it's been growing. Peggy and Jonathan don't know what life's going to be like from one day to the next. Troubles far away? I don't think so. Tell that to Lindsay. Lindsay, I just heard about her last night. She recently, or just yesterday, gave birth to her baby boy, her first. But unfortunately, something went wrong and Lindsay is now in ICU. She had to have 30 pints of blood due to the troubles that she had after that delivery. I know three people in our church who lost both their parents this year I know some parents who are in anguish over children who are not walking with God and I'm sure that if I heard enough of you of your stories there are stories in this room of sadness and pain and trouble and heartache and loss and sorrow so our troubles are not out of sight are they Let's be real. But the message of this text this morning is that in Jesus, there is something that will see you through those troubles. There is something available that will walk with you through your sorrow, through the valley of the shadow of death that we talked about a little while ago. There is something available for people who trust in Jesus that will actually enable them to survive and flourish in times of deep heartache and pain. What is that? It's joy. Something the Bible calls joy. And it's the theme of our passage this morning. So I want to talk with us today about joy. Um, First you have in this text a little unborn baby. His name is going to be John. Perhaps you know him better as John the Baptist, although I'm convinced he was a Presbyterian. Uh, (laughs) But right now, John the Baptist is just a little fetus, an unborn baby in the womb of his mother Elizabeth. Elizabeth's now almost in her third trimester. And into her home walks Mary, Mary who is also pregnant She's a relative. We're not told exactly how they're related. Most people say cousins. Maybe Elizabeth is Mary's aunt. Who knows? I don't know, but they're related. But the point is that Mary is carrying Jesus in her womb, the Son of God. Jesus at this point is just a tiny microscopic cluster of cells. Imagine that. The second person of the Trinity, a blastocyst. In the womb of Mary, less than one tenth of one millimeter in diameter. But as soon as Mary walks in and greets Elizabeth, verse 44 says that little unborn John inside Elizabeth leaps for joy inside Elizabeth. John was already sensing the presence of the Son of God in the room. You remember perhaps that. Uh, Gabriel the angel had prophesied to John's father Zechariah that he would be filled with the Spirit of God from his mother's womb. And sure enough, John was already aware of the presence of the Christ a few feet away from him. And so he couldn't contain himself. He did a backflip inside his mommy, Elizabeth. And then there is Elizabeth herself. Think about her for a moment. She's an old woman. Earlier in the chapter, it says that she was advanced in years. She had never been able to conceive a child. But here she is, by a miracle of God, she and her husband Zechariah are expecting a baby whose job it would be to prepare the way of the Lord. And when Mary comes inside the room to visit Elizabeth, verse 42 says that Elizabeth exclaimed with a loud cry. And I'm not going to imitate it because it was so loud. But she cries out at the top of her voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. What's going on? Well, just like her little unborn baby John inside her, Elizabeth intuited... That the Messiah had come into the room. That Mary was carrying the one whom the prophets had said would come to redeem Israel. That Mary was carrying the one whom the Old Testament writers had said would come to be a light for the nations. To be the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. He was right there inside His mother Mary. And so Elizabeth wakes up the neighbors and says, Blessed are you, Mary. God's favor be upon you. And notice Elizabeth's wonderful attitude in verse 43. She says, Why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? We would probably say, How could I be so lucky to be the host and hostess here in my home to the Son of God? And then, of course, there's Mary, whom we're going to talk about a little bit later. But in verses 46 through 55, Mary breaks out into this beautiful song known throughout the world as the Magnificat. You ever heard of that word? The Magnificat. It's taken from the Latin translation of verse 46. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Joy Joy, joy. John, Elizabeth, Mary. The theme is joy. Now look, these two women, Elizabeth and Mary, had plenty to be unhappy about. Let's not so sentimentalize this story and idealize these women that we forget the troubles that they carried around with them. Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, was mute at this time. He apparently was not a man of great faith. He struggled with spiritual doubt. Elizabeth was old. Would you who are in your 70s want a baby right now? (laughs) Not so sure. And Mary? Think about Mary. She was a nobody from nowhere. Scholars believe she was very young. She could have been 12, 13, 14 years old. At this time, how would Mary survive the scorn of her community for giving birth to what people would call an illegitimate child? And why do you suppose Mary went to see Elizabeth in the first place? It says in verse 39, the first verse I read, that Mary went with haste to see Elizabeth. Why was Mary in such a hurry, do you suppose? My guess is that she was confused. She was very confused. She had become pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Who could she talk to about that? Her mom? Her rabbi? Don't know about that. The only person she knew who might understand her is Elizabeth. So that's why she hurries to see her. Maybe she needed someone to tell her she wasn't crazy. Maybe she needed comfort. A place of refuge from the whispers of neighbors. Maybe she needed the steadying that an older woman like Elizabeth could provide her at this time in her life. And then think about the political atmosphere of the day. Let's not rip this, te- this text out of its context historically. Think about what was going on around them. Israel had drifted away from God for centuries. They were suffering the consequences of their spiritual decline. The nation was oppressed and exploited by ruthless pagan Roman occupiers. So do you get the picture now? As you think about them personally, as you think about the larger historical framework of this text, what was there to be so joyful about? I'll tell you one thing. God had come to their rescue. In the person of Jesus Christ, they knew that God had come to their rescue. And that gave them joy. It can give you joy too. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know why God laid this on my heart to give you. But I'm sure there is sorrow. I'm sure there is worry. I'm sure there is, among many hearts here today, anxiety. I want you to know there was in these people too. All those things and more. But there is joy available for those who know Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So let's talk a little bit about how God came to our rescue. I I, I see two things in this text today about rescue. And here's the first one. Jesus Christ came to rescue us individually from our particular sins and miseries. Jesus came to us individually to rescue us from our particular sins and miseries. Look at verses 46 through 49. This is the opening of the song called the Magnificat. And I want you to look carefully at the pronouns that are in this passage, this part of the passage. Mary says in verse 46... My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. Do you see what I'm talking about? The personal pronouns. Mary is conscious of God's personal love for her. Mary doesn't just say, God has looked on our humble estate. Or He who is mighty has done great things for us. Now that is of course true. But no, Mary says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Verse 47. My soul magnifies the Lord, verse 46. He who is mighty has done great things for me, verse 49. Isn't that sweet? Listen to me. God knew exactly what a mess each of you was. Each of you, each in your own unique way. And He sent Jesus to do something about it. He knew every one of the bad choices that you ever made Every one of the sins that got you into the state of exhaustion and misery that that they did bring you into, He knew about each one of your mistakes. And God sent Jesus to rescue you from them. Got a guy, a friend in our church called Howie. Howie had been a very successful car salesman in South Florida. Wife, couple of kids... But then he turned to a savior called cocaine and became a crack addict also. And by the time I got to know him at our church, Howie was homeless, wifeless, childless, all alone in life, wandering the streets looking for another handout so he could get another line of cocaine. But somehow he found his way in our church and heard the gospel And about three weeks ago, we baptized Howie as a new believer. And his life is beginning to turn around. Why? Because God came to His rescue. Now, I don't know those kinds of sins. I know my own variety. You've got your variety. And God came to rescue us each in our own unique situation. I know a guy who for years and years carried a burden of shame on his back. He grew up in a home where nobody ever hugged or said, I love you. He never felt like he was good enough. His father criticized him a lot. His mother was moody and demanding. His home was an emotional vacuum where feelings were rarely shared, where problems were denied where fears were suppressed. So he learned from an early age, he just had to try and figure things out on his own. And that's what he did. But it didn't work very well. He was just alone and sad. Until one day, I heard the gospel. A friend of mine told me that though I was a hopeless sinner... God had come to my rescue. Jesus was thinking about me when He was hanging on the cross. Just as He was thinking about you. I needed Him so desperately. And I'm a mess still. (laughs) But God has come to my rescue. What about you? Has Jesus rescued you from your sin and your slavery and your misery and... You're a unique brand of, I can do it myself. If not, talk to God today and tell Him you need Him desperately. Ask Him to come to your rescue. He delights in doing that. What about you who have been rescued and you know it. You know that your life's been changed by the mercy of God. You're just like Mary. God has done great things for you. Have you really thought about the fact that Jesus came to do that for you individually? Yeah, of of course, God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son so that whoever would believe in Him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. And that is, of course, true. But God so loved you that He gave you His Son. And that's a truth that you've got to let sink in because it's not only about us. God came for you. Think of it. God was thinking of you when the baby that He loved was born in the manger of Bethlehem because He didn't want you to perish. As Jesus was growing up, obeying the law of God, uh, attaining righteousness, He was doing it for you because He knew you needed righteousness. You needed justification. As Jesus was carrying His cross up the Via Dolorosa... He was thinking of you then. And then when He was hanging from the cross itself and prayed the prayer, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He was praying for you by name. Think of that. Let that sink in. That's so glorious. And even now Jesus is in heaven. The Bible tells us that He is praying for you and you and you and you and you. Imagine that. Jesus knows the burdens you're carrying today. He knows about those tears you cry at night when everybody else in your home is sleeping. He knows about your struggles and your sins. And He still says, I love you. Mary in her magnificat, Magnificat believed the gospel that even though God is unbelievably holy, And she, unbelievably sinful, God was her Savior. A holy God could love a lowly, confused, scared teenager. And that's what gave Mary joy. The Bible says in Romans 5, while we were still weak, when we were enemies of God, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly Paul goes on to say, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows His love for you in that while you were still sinful, Christ died for you. Why can you have joy today? Because God has come to your rescue. But let's go on because there's another part of this Beautiful song of Mary that I don't want you to overlook. God not only came to your rescue in the person of Jesus to save you from your sins, your individual sins and miseries, but God sent Jesus to rescue the whole world from oppression and destruction. And this is another great reason why we can have joy this morning. God has sent Jesus to save the whole world from oppression and destruction. Let me reread verses 50 through 55. This is where Mary's uh, focus begins to shift a little bit. I think you'll see what I mean. Verse 50, Mary goes on to say, "...and His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation." He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. Do you see the shift that Mary has gone through here? In the first few verses, it was, God, you've been so merciful to me. And that's very precious. But then she, so, she goes on to say, God, you've been merciful to the whole world. So I want you to notice two things here about this part of her song first. Notice how different God's ways are from man's ways. Uh, I don't know if you noticed the news about a week ago, ten days ago, but the royal couple were in New York City. Prince William, uh, Princess Kate, and boy did it create a stir. Everybody in that area was hankering to see William and Kate. Uh, I read in the news that Manhattan hotels saw an 84% surge in online hotel searches while William and Kate were there. People just had to see them. They they gathered around them. They watched. They watched them everywhere they went. News reporters, photographers followed their every move because people love celebrity, right? That's the way human beings are. We go nuts over Hollywood stars and football heroes and uh, coaches and politicians that we like. You know, it's the celebrity status that we seem attracted to. But God is very different. This passage says that He is not impressed by royalty or power. He scatters the proud, it says in verse 51, in the thoughts of their hearts. He brings down the mighty, it says in verse 52, and He lifts up the humble. He satisfies the hungry, but verse 53 says that He sends the rich away empty. As Jesus Himself put it, the first will be what? Last. Who do you know that's first in the eyes of the world? Oh, a lot of people, right? Last in God's economy. And the last will be first. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, not the mighty, but the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So that's one thing I see in Mary's song. God's ways are different from man's. But the second thing is even more relevant to our subject today of joy. God is going to make things right. People of God, Mary knew it. She sang about it. God is going to make things right. Notice the verbs. Earlier I asked you to notice the pronouns. I want you to notice the verbs in the passage that I just read. Is it past tense or present or future? It's past. The verbs in that section of the Magnificat, past tense verbs. Listen to them again. Verse 51, He has scattered the proud. He has brought down the mighty. He has filled the hungry. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. The verbs are past tense because in Mary's mind, it's as good as already done. God has already started bringing in the kingdom. Mary knows it. Mary senses in her spirit that the great reversal has already started. Because, see, Mary knew the prophecies of the Old Testament. She knew the verses in the Old Testament that talked about a coming kingdom and a coming king. You know, you might know, you might remember the song of the prayer of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 2. The song of Mary is very similar to the prayer of Hannah in 1 Samuel 2. Hannah was a woman who, like Elizabeth, couldn't have children. But God miraculously opened Hannah's womb, gave her a son. His name was Samuel. And then Hannah breaks out into this beautiful prayer in which she said many of the things that Mary says here in the Magnificat. What does that mean? It means that Mary knew the Old Testament Scriptures. Mary was steeped in the Old Testament prophecies that looked forward to the day when God was going to make everything right. And Mary knew that that time had already begun to arrive. Mary believes in her heart that God would not only save souls, as good as that is, but that God would introduce a new world order. We call that the kingdom of God. God was about to change the course of human history through the embryo that Mary was carrying in her womb, believe it or not. God was going to make all things new. God is going to destroy evil and sin. He is going to establish righteousness and peace upon the earth. Guess what? That thing called terrorism is going to be a thing in the past. On the new earth there will not be terror There will not be death or mourning or crying or pain because God's going to make all things new. He's going to eradicate disease and poverty and all those other ills that drive us crazy. The Bible says that, friends. And Mary believed it in her heart and claimed the promise as already true. And that gave her joy. Back in August in my home, we had a little thing called a flood. Yes, a pipe burst and it poured water all over our downstairs and ruined our laminate and our carpet and we had to get it all replaced. Well, I don't know anything about choosing wood and laminate and carpet and those type of things. So we called in an expert, called an interior designer. And when the interior designer arrived, she had under her arm a, a thing of samples of wood Wood pieces, no bigger than that. And I look at those little pieces and I think, I can't decide what an entire downstairs is going to look like based on one little piece of wood. But the interior designer saw something that I couldn't see. She had a vision for a completed floor. And she said, here's the one you need right here. Let's decide on that one. So we trusted her. She's got the credentials. She knows what she's talking about. And sure enough, now the floor is done as of about three weeks ago. And it does look very nice. What did I learn from that experience? I learned that there are people who know the end from the beginning. They know what's going to happen. And they want us to just trust them. And pay them a lot of money. (laughs) But... God reveals to Mary here His plan for the future. God knows the future from the beginning. We're just looking at this little piece and it does look horrible, doesn't it? But God's got it all under control. He's our interior designer. And He says there's a new heaven and a new earth to come. And it's going to be glorious. Just trust me. And Rejoice in the meantime. Uh, I was going to do some Christmas shopping at the mall the other day. That was one mistake. It was bumper-to-bumper traffic in Orlando. And I was about to pull what little hair out I already have. But I was also not only being frustrated by the traffic, but I was listening to the news. And it was all about ISIS and the CIA and Ferguson, and racism, and the storm that's hitting the West Coast, and protests in New York City, on and on went the bad news. Well, finally, I got to the mall, and I opened the door and walked out. And, you know, now you, in many places, hear the gospel when you're Christmas shopping, thanks to the many Christmas carols that are being played over the loudspeakers. And guess what I heard? In this context of joy, this little snapshot of sin and misery, I heard joy to the world. The Lord is come. Past tense. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room and heaven and nature sing. Sing. How should you respond to this wonderful song this morning? You should sing. Sing with Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord. You know, to magnify something means to make it what? Bigger. To make it larger. But how can you make a being who is already omnipresent bigger? Well, I think what it means is that you are to... Give God credit for what He's done in your life. I think it means to speak about Him, to tell others, like Mary did, what great things God has done for you. I was eating at a restaurant with a friend the other day, and here's an example of how practically and simply this can be done how you can magnify the Lord right where you are. On the server's name tag was her name, Grace. Her name was Grace. And my friend saw that name and he said, Oh, Grace, that's a beautiful word. And she said, Well, thank you. And he said, my friend said, You know why it's a beautiful word? Because God has come to our rescue. And the server went about her day. And I hope and pray that she thought often about the fact that her name expresses the gospel. How can you magnify the Lord? Perhaps in little ways like that. Perhaps by just telling someone what God has done in your life. Maybe by inviting your friend, your neighbor, someone you know doesn't have a church home to the Christmas Eve service coming up Wednesday night. Above all, rejoice in God your Savior this Christmas. In spite of it all, in spite of that trouble, in spite of your sorrow, rejoice that He who is mighty has done great things for you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, maybe there's someone in the room this morning who has yet to be rescued. They're trying to live life independent of you as though they can survive on their own, but they're drowning in sin and unbelief. Maybe they don't realize just how much you love them. Lord, maybe there's someone this morning who feels so unlovable, you could never have mercy on them. I ask you, open their eyes to see you holding out your hand of salvation. Give them the gift of faith and repentance. Help them to transfer their trust from themselves to you. And Lord, for those of us who do know your rescuing grace, but who are finding it honestly hard to rejoice right now, Give them the faith of Mary. Help them remember the great things You've done for them. Help them trust that You're bringing in a kingdom where righteousness and justice and peace and love prevail, where the mighty are brought down and the lowly are exalted. Give them patience, Lord, to wait and long and hope for that day. And Lord, I pray finally that You'll help us all to magnify You, to enlarge You, to reflect Your glory and grace to our world gone awry we ask this in Jesus name amen